when I was seven, eight years old, I began to be told inside to pay attention to the words I use and how I speak about myself inside or how I speak to myself inside and to pay attention to how it is I'm believing in myself. Is it a negative self or is it a positive, spiritual, loving self? To pay attention to that inner voice and those inner feelings, those thoughts, those ideas and beliefs about ourselves are very important. When I was about eight years old, I was told to start carrying some paper and a pen around with me to write down my thoughts and my feelings so that I became aware of just what was going on inside of me and to see if that's how I really wanted to live my life, focused in those words and that feeling. Or did I want to change it if I needed to? And I found it very interesting because there was a part of me that was really loving and caring and positive and wanting to be in God's presence all the time. But then there was this other part of me that was like really kind of negative. And I talked to myself in a negative way when I was in that space, not believing I was capable, not feeling that I was good enough, or just whatever it might be at the time. And I was kind of amazed. And I looked inside myself and I wondered, where did I get that? That doesn't feel like me. That doesn't feel like the real me. Why am I talking to myself in this way? Why am I bringing these feelings up that just don't really seem to be a part of me really? but yet they were becoming more and more a part of me. And I realized in paying attention and, and writing down the words, writing down the feelings, writing them down, nothing I had to do with them, just take note. This is what I'm thinking right now. This is what I'm feeling right now. I became aware <clears throat> that I was running this energy inside of me that really wasn't a part of my consciousness. And as I was doing this, I began to be aware of the influences around me in the world and how I was taking that on as my own, innocently just doing it. My father's words, my mother's words, my brother's words, people at school. And I realized I needed to really find out who I am and really begin to live the truth of who I am and stop mingling all this other energy in my consciousness and in my body and in my life that was confusing me. And so I began to really pay attention. And as I did, I began to see the simplicity of my beingness, the soul, the the spiritual being that you are is very, very simple. It's loving. It's caring. It's attentive. It's witnessing. It's participating. 
But in all that, it's very, very simple. And so I saw that there were conflicts of energy in me running because there was this part of me that thought this is how I have to believe the way that I had been taking on from the world, that I had to believe this way in order to survive and to move in the world. And I had some things that I could base that on. At school, people were in cliques. I don't know if you ever noticed that in your school time, but we had little cliques at the school that I was at, at the elementary school. And everybody kind of gathered together with their clique. The ones that were interested in baseball were over here. The ones that were interested in theater or whatever was over here. And it just little clicks here and there. And, and I, I would sit there every day as we broke for playground and wonder, where do I fit in? Because I didn't see myself really fitting in. And so I would try to fit into the world. And that's a lot of why we take on these beliefs, these words, these feelings about ourselves from other people because we're trying to fit in, we're trying to belong, we're trying to become a part of something. And so I looked around and I thought, well, what am I going to fit into? Where do I fit? And I couldn't find a place that I fit because I wasn't interested in this world. I wasn't interested in the things of this world. All I wanted to do was spend time every day as much as I could with God. Loving God, focusing on God, receiving insights and wisdom about God and, and creation. And so I really had to work at it, and I decided, well, I'll try to fit into this baseball clique over here and see if I can get interested in sports and begin to participate. And so I did. And they took me in, I think a little reluctantly because... Nobody really knew me that well. But they took me in and I began to learn how to play baseball. And I had never up until that time played baseball. So it was like a very big experience of learning and you know, figuring out how to maneuver into the world and, and people. And, um, but I did it and I was pretty good at, at uh, batting. So they wanted me to bat because I could hit the ball and get it out and didn't hit home runs very often, but I hit. And uh, so that way people could run bases, myself and others. And I wasn't very good at pitching, so I became more of a batter than a pitcher, but that was fine. And But all that time, it was a struggle to fit in. It was a struggle to participate and really find the joy of it. I mean, they enjoyed it. It was, it was thrilling to them just to be on the field and have their baseball mitt and play ball in whatever form or fashion, whether it was just tossing the ball to each other or really playing a game. And so I thought somehow in that I'm going to find it and I'll, I'll be a part of it. I'll really feel it and get excited about it and all that. Well, a few months went by and it didn't happen. I never really got the excitement. I never got the joy and the fun of it. 
it was fun to hit a ball and have everybody get excited and running and everything, but it didn't really move anything inside of me in a real way. And so one day I was, it was just after school, we were going to go play, and I realized I really had been missing sitting and talking with God. I want, that's what I did at the end of the day at school. I would go home and I would just sit and be with God. And I would close my eyes and I would go inside and sometimes I started with a prayer. Sometimes I started with a visualization of something that put me into a spiritual place or just whatever it was. And sometimes I would just sit down and it would be there and I would just go with it. And that's what I wanted. And so I remember this one day, we had just finished school, we walked out, and we were going to go into the field and play. And I said, I needed to get home. There's something I've got to do. And so I went home, didn't play that day. And I got home, and I sat down, and I went inside and went within God. And that's where my joy was. That's where I wanted to be. And I realized I probably am not going to participate that much in the world because I don't really care about having to participate here. I want to spend my time with God. And so the next day, school ended, and off they went to the field, and I didn't even show up. I didn't even go, and I didn't make an excuse. And so a few days went on by, and it turned out that apparently they missed my skill of batting because they weren't winning the way they would normally win. And so I uh, had a friend, he, he came over to our house. I lived about three blocks away from the school. And he came over and he found me between the houses where I always would sit if the weather was good, talking with God. And he yelled at me, Jim, come on, you've got to go play ball. We need you. And that's the first time I've ever heard anybody, I think, say, we need you, <laughs> which kind of thrilled me. But at the same time, it's like I just didn't have any desire to to go do that. So I said, no, I really need to be here. Uh, it's important that I'm here. And I'm just sitting there <laughs> between two houses. And they kinda, he kind of looks at me like, and this is really important to you? And I go, yes. But he didn't have any idea of what I was doing. So he left, and I found very quickly I began to not be a part of that clique anymore, that baseball group. And they didn't really talk to me very much because they didn't, you know, I wasn't coming, I wasn't participating with them. And I looked around at lunch, and people were all sitting in their little groups, and sometimes I would try to join somebody and sometimes I would sit by myself and which I didn't mind I really didn't mind being on my own um, it wasn't a lonely thing it wasn't a disturbing thing because I felt more fulfilled inside and in touch with myself inside when I spent time with God every day than when I was out trying to be a part of the world so during this time as well is when I became aware of the differences in my inner experiences. 
And sometimes I would find that I could just slip right into that presence inside of myself with the loving. And sometimes there would be things there that would block me. It was, I actually saw it like a fog or a cloud. And um, it would like be right in front of me and I would try to walk through it to get to the other side where the peace and the loving would be. But the cloud just kind of seemed to follow me and I couldn't seem to pull my way or push my way through it. And so that's why they started having me write down the thoughts and the feelings that I was having every day. Because those were the clouds. Those were the things that were starting to formulate in my consciousness that would stand between me and God and really keep me from focusing out that way, but more getting caught up in the world. So I began to look at these words that I was writing down, and a lot of them were words towards myself that I was speaking to myself that were negative, undermining, um, belittling, not good enough, whatever it might have been. And other words were just words that um, were part of the world, the way that the world works and the way the world uh, maneuvers. Um, I was paying attention to how people would um, talk behind the back of another person and uh, and how that, that looked. I would watch the energy between the people talking behind the back of somebody and it, it really was gross. I don't know how to put it. It was just icky, sticky, gross. And I I found that as I watched that, there was this part of me that had begun doing that within myself about other people. And, and I thought, where did I get that? Why am I doing this? That's not who I am. I don't like this. I don't like that feeling. And so I began to pay attention and I could see where I was picking that energy up from. My brother would talk uh, about with his friends at home about other people. I would see my mother complaining about people at work. And my dad would gripe about different things that were going on with people at work. And I thought, oh, wow, that's where I'm getting this from. I thought, you know, by watching that and listening to that, that that's how you, you worked in the world. How, that's how you survived in the world. And so I began to pay attention to that and I would catch myself when I would start doing it. Within myself, about me, or within myself, about others, or outside of myself. I began to make a few friends at school, and we would talk at lunch and things, and I would have a hard time <laughs> not doing what they were doing, complaining about the teacher, complaining about a student, complaining, griping, making names up for them, or whatever. And so I would just sit there and say nothing. And after a while, my, one of my friends, Joe, he would turn to me and he would go, well, what do you think? Why didn't you ever say anything about these people? And I just couldn't do it. I said, well, I just don't have anything. I'm not thinking about them. I don't care. And I don't really have anything to say. Well, I didn't fit into that circle after that. <laughs> <laughs> because that's what they wanted to do. This was a clique of complainers. 
backstabbers. I don't know what you would call them. But I, I didn't fit in because I wouldn't participate. And so I was back off to sitting by myself and once in a while Joe would come and check on me and see, you know, did I really want to come over and, and talk? And I said, you know what, I don't. Because I realized the difference. When I was participating in that kind of energy, the cloud was really thick in front of me and it was hard for me to get into that spiritual flow. But when I wasn't doing that, there was no cloud. And I could just go close my eyes and go right into the loving, and there it was. God was present, the loving was present, the light and, and, and its presence was there to, to guide me on into a greater place in spirit. And so I learned pretty quick, talking about others, or even talking to yourself in a negative way, is the most undermining thing you can do. And it, what, what good does it do? It doesn't serve any purpose. It doesn't heal anything, it doesn't change anything, other than it changes your attitude towards yourself and others and how you approach life because of that negativity. So I began not to participate with people again and not to participate with the things in the world so much again and found myself off to myself but that was just fine because I was happy. I was fulfilled because I had God. And I'll tell you what, when you have God, you don't need a lot of other things in the world. Yeah, you need food, you need sleep, whatever, but you don't need a lot of the things in the world that the world tells you you have to have. So one thing I would say is if on this path in your meditation, you're challenged <clears throat> by going inside in your meditation and that challenge is that you don't see the light, you don't hear the sound, you don't feel the movement of loving, you feel like there's a block or else the mind is calling you back into the world or into yourself. <clears throat> you might want to begin to pay attention to what it is your thoughts are during the day and in during the meditation. And just see what it is you're really saying, thinking, feeling, acting and reacting with. Because those are probably the things that are creating the barrier or the cloud in your meditation that are keeping you from moving into the meditation energy. You know, I'm always saying you want to focus inward and upward. And that upward journey is important to get up here to the seat of the soul where you're, you, the true you, the soul, dwells. And to begin to sit in that loving that is you. And you may be finding that you're going inward and then upward some, but you're beating barriers within yourself that you yourself have created or allowed <clears throat> that are feelings, that are thoughts, that are whatever it is, that are the barriers that keep you from going higher. And that's your responsibility. That's what you have to take responsibility for and to take action in to get clear. To get clear and understand that if you want a real open pathway into the loving, into spirit, into God, 
that you are responsible to clear away a lot of the debris that you've put in that that pathway between you and God. It's your responsibility. You created it, and as the creator of it, you have to take responsibility and transform it, change it, release it, whatever it is. And it's not that hard if you put God first. I always put God first in my meditation. And I have a lot of things in the world that are trying to get in the way. People, reactions, things that are going on, things that are coming at me, things that are coming up from within me. And all I have to do is place God first out here and bring myself into God. God isn't really out here. God is here, and God is everywhere. But oftentimes, when I run up against those barriers inside myself, and I still have them, I still find them, I still write them down. (laughs) It's just a habit. I write it down, and then I close my eyes again, and I go on. And oftentimes, when I feel that separation, rather than God feeling right here, being right here present, it feels like God's out here and I've got to make my way out there somehow to where God is. I know God's not really there, but that's how it feels. All of a sudden, there's a separation between me and God. And I remember uh, in my teens, I used to think, why are you pulling away from me? I'd get angry when I'd feel this. I thought God was pulling away from me. Well, at that time, my hormones were kicking up, my interest in the world was kicking up because my hormones were directing me back into the world. And again, it was the body consciousness, it was the body process that was doing that. But at first, I didn't realize what was really going on or what was causing the separation. And I was getting mad because God seemed to be pulling away from me. But what it was, was my body consciousness was pulling me away from, from the spiritual inner journey by focusing out here on, on the world, on sex, on relationship, falling in love, all oh, the romantic energies that ever are calling on us and pulling on us. And that was a big one for me because, you know, everybody is now dating. I'm a teenager. Everybody is dating. Everybody is going off and doing their dates and falling in love and going out to kiss kiss lane, whatever it is, lover's lane, and whatever. And I wasn't even interested in all that. My body was. My body was pulling on me through the hormonal movements, but I myself was like, I don't know if I want to participate in all this. I saw the the wonder of it and the magic of it, but I also saw all the other entanglements of it. And the funny thing was, I didn't realize what karma was at the time because I didn't learn about karma and all of that until I was 18, 19 years old. And, but I would watch my friends, you know, fall in love with somebody and the other one fall in love with them, and I would just watch these entanglements of gray energy kind of sweep around the both of them and pull them together. And 
and I, I began to realize that 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 bond that they felt, that that pulling together that they felt, was something other than themselves. Even it was something of the world consciousness. And now I realize it's karma. It's magnetic polarity that pulls people together because they have lessons to learn with each other. They have things to clear with each other, whatever it might be. But at the time, I didn't understand it other than, boy, this world stuff just grabs you and pulls you into situations. And I didn't want that. And fortunately, because I was aware of it, I didn't have to participate in it so much. And the reason I found about this was um, uh, at, at 16, I fell in love with this girl. And I, I'm, I'm feeling this energy with her, and I'm going, oh no, what is this? <laughs> I don't know if I want to do this. It hurt. It, it was hurting me because it collected my energy in my heart and in my solar plexus. And getting up above that was getting harder and harder to do when this energy was present. And so I figured, you know, I may as well go out and find out what this is about. And so I dated her, we had some good times and all that, but it just got thicker and thicker and thicker. And then I realized she was really feeling something for me that I wasn't feeling for her because I was ever looking up trying to get above it. And so I was aware of this and I didn't know what to do with it for sure. And we sat and we talked one night and I realized what romance was because she was talking all this energy, saying all these words. And I realized as she was saying it, it was building that, that bond stronger and stronger. And she was building it within herself towards me but I wasn't responding, I wasn't merging into that, and the, the entanglements couldn't pull me into it so much. And I realized this energy of romance is beautiful, it's wonderful, but it hurts. It, it, it just does strange things to, to the consciousness. And all I knew is I didn't want to get caught up in these bonds and lose sight of God. And I felt that I could really do that if I allowed myself to go into this 100%. And I pondered for days, should I do this? I need to figure this out. I need to learn this. Maybe this is an experience I'm supposed to have and I need to go do it. And so I remember I, I went to pick her up. I had just started driving and I went to pick her up to go on a date. And as I got out of the car, and I can remember it so well, I opened the door and I put one foot on the, on the ground to, to get out of the car. And it was like, no, no, no. <laughs> it was so funny. There was just like this other part of me that just did not want to get that caught up in it. <clears throat> but I said, you know, maybe this is something I've got to do. And so I did it. I put my other foot down and <laughs> went and got her and we went on the date and I could feel myself getting caught up in the romance. And at first it was kind of wonderful and, it, and another time it wasn't. And the reason it wasn't wonderful is because it was 
I was losing sight of who I wanted to be or who I was or where I wanted to go, which was with with me, it was with spirit. And so I had to call the whole thing off after a short time because of what was happening between me and her and the energy that it was you know, doing to me. And I felt bad, but at the same time, I realized at that moment I had to do it for me. Because God was first. God was always first. And I did not want to lose that. I did not want to lose God. And I realized at that point, <clears throat> that's probably where a lot of people begin to make the world more important, begin to make other people more important. Now, I don't know that that's true, but this is what I made up about it, that, that it's at that time when we do begin to feel that romantic energy kicking in, that we really get caught up more and more into the world, and we lose sight of, of our own wants. We might change our career, we might change our schooling or whatever just to stay in that place of the romance with somebody. And so I realized I did not want to lose sight of God and make the world and people in the world more important. So with that, I, I broke off the relationship and I didn't date or do anything with anyone for quite a while because I didn't want to get caught up in the world. And yet, uh, when I would meet somebody who I had a past life relationship with, or they weren't even, I didn't know them from a past life, but they carried an energy that was a lesson for me to learn, or I had an energy of a lesson that they needed to learn, and because of that we're drawn together, I realized I needed to be involved in that because there was something there for me to do or to receive, and I didn't want to deny that. So I allowed myself to go into that energy. Reluctantly, but I did. And sure enough, when I got caught up in that and the lessons are swirling around and the process of all that energy is moving, I lost sight of God for a little while. I really did. And I could not believe it when I finally realized what I had done and what had happened. But then when I came out of the situation, I had learned a great lesson from her. She was a very good teacher to me about a lot of things about myself and about how I shared about myself in the world. I was very, I, you almost call it withdrawn. I didn't talk a lot with people. I didn't share a lot with people about myself, my beliefs, or anything, because all that I was wanting to talk about was God and spirit and the inner life. And nobody understood that. And I tried to share it with a couple of friends, and they just, like, got spooked, and <laughs> I wasn't going to be a friend anymore. And so I accepted that, and so I just got very silent. And this girl helped me to begin to open up and talk about myself and share my truth where I was always hesitant to. And she didn't believe what I was saying was very important or very true. But she said, apparently this is what you believe is true. 
And that's good. It's good for you to share it, she said. It doesn't matter what other people do with it. And I needed to hear that. It doesn't matter what other people do with it. They're going to do with it what they're going to do with it. But it's for you to be honest with yourself and to be honest with others. And be faithful to your truth, to your loving, to that spirit inside of you, if that's what's pulling you. Or be faithful and true to whatever it is that stands in front of you, calling you in a certain direction. Because that's how you're going to find the fulfillment of what that is. And so she really taught me a good lesson. And I realized, oh my God, I think this romance energy is good. Because it, it, it served me. I got something out of it, a value. But then I would look around and... I didn't see the romantic energy serving people in that way so often. And the, that the bonds that they had were creating karma more than relieving karma. And so I decided I'm not going to get caught up in it again, but if I recognize that same frequency like she had, I might move into it. So I went on and I kept paying attention every day to my words that I said to myself and the things that I was thinking about other people. Now, I wasn't backstabbing. I wasn't going around and saying stuff to other people about somebody. But inside, I was. I was still doing that to some extent. And I, I didn't like it. I did not like the feeling of it. It caused me pain. And I found out that the pain that that I put out in the words inside of myself, I didn't even speak them, but it would go against me. It would almost automatically come back on me. And, and uh, I realized that that's how the karmic energies work. I didn't know it was karma back then, but I knew that Jesus said, as you sow, so shall you reap. And I thought, oh my God, I am sowing hatred or meanness or cruelty or name-calling. And I would feel that energy come back upon me. Sometimes it would just be the energy coming back on me, but other times it would actually be other people would be talking behind my back about me, about how weird I was, you know, whatever it was that they said. And so I realized how important it is to pay attention to what you put out into the universe because as you sow, so shall you reap. And on this pathway of spirit, when you are now making a commitment to truly wake up into God, you're going to find that happens quickly. More quickly than if you were just a part of the world. Sometimes what you sow into the world, the actions, the words, the thoughts, the feelings that you put out may be going on out for the rest of your life. And it isn't until another lifetime that you sow the reward of what it is you uh, reap, the, the rewards of what you sowed. But oftentimes when you're on this pathway, you're going to find that what you sow today might come back to you within minutes or within hours or within days to be handled and fulfilled and released. 
I don't know if you've noticed that, but pay attention. It really does happen. I get it all the time that way. It's just like right in my face. And now as I start to say something, it's like the energy goes, are you really going to do this again? <laughs> do you really want a slap in the face again? <laughs> and so I catch myself and I just stop and I get quiet and I try not to say anything then. The human nature is a gossiper. It loves to gossip. It loves to complain. It loves to sow things that really are not healthy for us. And if you can pay attention to that and start taking charge over your consciousness, over your process, you're going to find your life will be a lot easier. A lot easier. Because you're not having all this energy feeding back to you once again that you have to deal with. I love myself, I forgive myself, I release this energy for which it came, I blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Loving, accepting, and forgiving. I do it all the time. I still do it all the time. Loving, accepting, and forgiving. Because I have to, because I'm human. And the human consciousness does things that it just does. And so the soul of me has to go in and kind of balance that energy out. Bring it all back together again. Because the physical consciousness wants to splinter the energies and involve ourselves in so many different energy actions and reactions. Through our thoughts, through our feelings, through our imaginations, we get caught up in so much. And if you can bring all that back and just retain it, not in a hard way, not in a difficult way, but retain that loving, retain that presence of spirit that is being dispersed out there into the world, you're going to be stronger and healthier and happier in your spiritual quest than you would be otherwise. To call somebody a name, a negative name, a cruel name, it's going to come back upon you and be a part of your life. It'll follow you around. It will cause reactions inside of you. It can cause pain, physical pain, a lot of different things. And we don't realize, gosh, where does this backache come from? Why do I have a headache right now? Why is my jaw hurting? Whatever. It comes back in so many different ways. If we can find a way to be centered in quiet, in loving, in neutrality, if you will, not being caught up in the polars of the positive and the negative, the rights and the wrongs of others or ourselves, we're going to find life to be much easier and simpler. That's what the spiritual teachers talk about throughout the centuries is to find that simplicity, to find that neutrality, to find that peace and that quiet within. When I was maybe 12, 13 years old, <clears throat> I went to a church one day on a Sunday and I heard them sing a song, Come to the Quiet. And I thought, 
wow, that's it. I didn't know where they got the words from, where the phrase came from, but come to the quiet. That's what I was always trying to do inside. Come to that quiet place inside. And in that quiet place, I could hear God's voice. I could see God's light. I could feel God's loving. In that quiet place. But I cannot get to my quiet place if in my consciousness of the body, I am creating disturbance within myself or aiming disturbance at others. And it's very easy to do. When you're driving down the street and somebody pulls in front of you, what do you do? You react. You cuss at them. You yell at them. You beep your horn maybe at them. Whatever it is. But in that reaction, you're putting energy into motion into the physical body, into the physical consciousness that is going to work against you if you're not careful. Now, if you do it once and you catch yourself and you go, God bless, that can help neutralize that. But if you do it more and more and more, you're going to find that you're just building up this energy of disturbance that will cause disturbance inside of you. I learned that when I was just starting to drive and people would be honking at me because I wasn't going fast enough. But I was a little nervous about going real fast at first. And so I would drive along and I'd go my speed and people would honk at me and if I could, I'd pull over if I had to or whatever, just let them to go by until I learned to feel comfortable in going you know, 40, 50, 60 miles an hour. It didn't take long, but I learned when people were honking at me, they were also putting out an energy of disturbance. And I didn't want that disturbance, so I would just say, God bless you, and I would pull over. Uh, I remember one time I was driving down just a, a regular neighborhood street, and this guy in a truck pulled up behind me in a hurry and he started honking because I wouldn't go faster. And so I just pulled over in front of a house and stopped and parked. And he went on zipping around. And I sat there and I loved him. I sent my loving to him. And all that energy that was coming at me from him, and it was, I could see it. All that energy that was coming from him my loving just went out and it just surrounded it and it neutralized it and it was gone. It never came to me. And so when I drive, I'm ever blessing things. <laughs> I drive down the street and I bless parked cars. I bless people. I bless the people driving past me. I bless people who have had car trouble. And so I, I send loving and light for that uh, to be taken care of. I bless the trees. I give thanks for the life around me. I d I'm doing all this stuff. And it, it just opens things up and it creates beauty for me in my drive. And if somebody pulls in front of me, 
do they pull in front of me? And it's up to me to be sure to slow down and let them get in front of me. And I don't put my energy out and say, you know, whatever, whatever. Because I know it's going to come back on me and I don't want that. I don't like that. So pay attention. When you write letters to people, when you write emails, what are you saying in those emails? Why are you spending time saying those things? Are they valuable? Are they meaningful? Do they serve you? Do they serve others? Are they against others? Which becomes againstness on yourself? And what good does it do to talk about others behind their back, if you will? What good does it do? It doesn't do any good at all. That person isn't going to change. They'll change when they're ready to change. And you can't change them, and you can't force change. And what are you trying to do? Con convict them in other people's minds? Let other people find out who they are and come up to their own decision rather than you trying to convince everybody to believe the way you believe. That's no better than people that go out and try to convert people to another religion. You're trying to make them believe what you believe so you feel good about yourself. I remember one time, um, it wasn't Jehovah's Witness, it was another group that came by, oh no, it was a, a couple of guys that were Mormon. And they came up to the door and rang the doorbell and so I invited them in, which they were shocked. <laughs> and, and they said, really? And I said, yeah, come on in. You know, I've got, nobody's here and I'd, I'd like to hear what you have to say. And so they came in and they sat down and they started talking. And I said, so, it sounds like you believe your way is better than my way, whatever that might be. And they said, yeah, we, we know it's a, a better way. And I said, how do you know it's a better way? And they said, because it's in our Bible. It says that it's a better way. And so it's up to us to convert everybody to the better way so that they can be saved and, and get to heaven. And I said, what if I didn't want to go to heaven? <laughs> they looked at me like, what? Everybody wants to go to heaven, he said. Everybody. Why don't you want to go to heaven? I said, well, I didn't say I really didn't want to go to heaven, but maybe I have a different heaven in mind. Well, by that time, I knew there were many different levels of heaven within the astral alone, depending upon how people believed heaven was to look, and that energy of belief within a group could build heavens in the imaginational world. And so I knew that there were many different heavens. And I didn't say that to them, but I just said, you know, what if my heaven's different than yours? Is that okay? And they said, well, no, there's got to be one heaven and one hell, and you, you're going to go to one or the other. And I said, well, it's my choice, isn't it? And I, I believe a certain way, and I'm going to continue believing that certain way. And I appreciate you for trying to help me to see things in a, in a different light. 
and I've learned a little bit about all this. And the thing I learned that I didn't say was, I'm never going to go out and try to convict somebody for what they believe or convert them into what I believe. Because there's no value in doing that. You have to have your experience, you have to have your belief that leads the way, and I know that that belief is going to lead you to another, and that belief will lead you to another, until finally you find your truth. I know that. I see that. I do that. And I love witnessing that in people's lives. And if you can slow down just a little bit and really change your focus, you can begin to see that more and more in your life. Rather than talking about others, complaining about situations, griping when somebody pulls in front of you, cussing things out, why not send them love? Why not be compassionate and caring? That's who you are. The soul of you is compassionate, it's caring, it's loving, it's peaceful. Get in touch with that and stay in touch with that, not just in your meditation, but take it into the day. I carry it everywhere I go. I walk into the grocery store and I grab a hold of the basket, but before I do, I say, God bless the person who had this basket before me. And then I say, okay, let's go. And we go off and I say, okay, spirit of the living love, just show me the foods that are best for me to take in right now. Show me the, the right things to pick up and put into this basket. And it's amazing. If you ask that, it will do that. And I'll start to reach for something in the vegetable or the fruit sections and... I get a no. Not a no in the sense of a word, but it, I feel it. It's like a, there's no energy there. So I keep on walking and I reach and then no, not those apples, these apples. And things like that. And it's fun. Shopping is fun. Because it's a game. Spirit and me are going to play a game. And we'll see if I'm sensitive enough to find the right ones. It's all hidden, but if I pay attention, I can feel my way through it. And I remember when I started playing this game, it was years ago. I mean, years and years ago. And I was shopping more in the can section some. And I would go down the, the, the can section, and I would, you know, like for pinto beans or whatever, and I would feel, and I couldn't find a can really that had the energy of life to it that Spirit wanted me to pick up and take. And so, <laughs> so I would I would try to feel my way through and find which brand or which can or whatever had life in it, and it really didn't feel vibrant or like this one, this one. And so finally, I remember one time when I just got so frustrated, I said, I'm just going to take what I want. <laughs> and so I just started grabbing cans, and I got home, and I had uh, my beans and my green beans and blah, blah, blah. And I started putting them up in the pantry, and then I looked at them, and I went, 
and this isn't really serving me. I didn't follow spirit. And so I realized I've got to follow spirit more. So where I found, I said, okay, so if it isn't here, where is it? And that's when I started going to the produce and the vegetable section and, and picking up what I wanted there. And spirit was there and said, yes, this is alive. This is it. This is the one. And so that's how I began to shop in the circle around rather than so much in the middle of the grocery store. I don't know how you shop, but pay attention. If, if you really want, make spirit a part of everything you do, everything you do, writing letters, having conversations with people, going grocery shopping, getting gasoline. Oh my God, I love getting gasoline because I bring spirit into that whole process. When I pull up to a pump, I say, God bless whoever was here before me. And God bless whoever comes to this spot next as I leave. It's bring God into everything you do. Wherever you go, leave an essence of God in that, that whoever comes to that place will also get that. When I would leave the basket at the grocery store, after getting all the things and shopping and putting it in the car and moving it over to put the basket up, I would put the basket in and I would say, and God bless whoever touches this basket next. And so a few times I'll stand around. Back then I would I'd stand around or sit in the car and I'd watch to see who came up. And it'd be funny, sometimes they would come up and they'd go towards this basket and then they'd go, oh no, I'll take this one. And, and I'd go, there they go, okay. <laughs> Whether they really got the blessing or not, I have no idea, but I know it was there. So make it a game, make it fun, make it interesting. Make spirit a part of your daily life. Not just the two hours, two and a half hours of meditation or two and a half minutes, whatever. Make God and spirit and loving a part of everything you do. It'll make a difference in your life. I can guarantee that. And you'll begin to have a whole different attitude about how to live your life, how to move in the world, do in the world. You will. It'll change. It'll change you. It'll change your attitude about things. And it'll really change how you feel and see yourself. I love myself for what I am. I love myself for how I move in the world. I love myself. And I continue loving myself daily. And yeah, oftentimes I'm quiet when we're sitting and just everybody talking. I don't have a lot to say. Well, you've talked all this time. <laughs> But in the circles of people, when they're talking about this and that and the other, I don't have a lot to say. I really don't. I don't want to gossip. I don't want to talk about other people in any way, shape, or form, good or bad. Because I don't want to get caught up in that energy. I'll tell you what. I used to try to be the positive one in a gossipy group. And they would look at me like, well, just get out of here. You don't belong in this group. <laughs> It was just so funny because I would try to find the good in people. And they didn't want to do that game right now. 
They wanted to complain. They wanted to gripe. They wanted to call them names. And I just couldn't do that. I wasn't going to do that. So I guess that's what I wanted to share today about my spiritual pathway and how to live it in a daily way. You've got to find your own way. I've just shared a few pointers. And I've talked about this before. I've talked about writing down your thoughts and your feelings every day, keeping it track and paying attention and seeing how you might want to formulate that or change that attitude or that, that way of being. It can make a difference. If you really want to be a child of God, then be a child of God 100% of the time. That's what's going to make the difference. If you don't want to be the child of God 100% of the time, be a child of God some. Find a way to do that some because it's going to make a difference. And you'll begin to live more and more into the truth of who you are as a spiritual being as you begin to see the difference between not living it and living it. There's a lot more joy and peace in living it. It's a lot more easy to live it. You'd be surprised how much energy you waste, your own life force you waste in complaining and talking about others. Oh my God, you invest so much energy into it. And then you wonder, oh, why am I always so tired? Why do I feel this way? I always feel kind of down and all this. It may be that you're putting your energy into something that doesn't really serve you. Put your energy into something that feeds you, that nurtures you, that gives you more life. It makes a huge difference. So give it a try. <laughs> and thank you all very much.